I want you to look at someone you're sitting beside and say, flip the switch. Flip the switch. If you've got your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to be in a couple places in John uh, this morning. We'll get there in just a moment. But you can go ahead and turn there, John chapter 1. Uh, my name is Sam. I'm the children's and youth pastor. And I've, as always, I want to give Brother Billy and Sister Peggy honor. Thank you all so much for the way that you lead Calvary and for the blessing that you are here. I know just seeing your faces these last couple of weeks has been a, a huge blessing to the whole congregation. We're glad you're feeling better, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share what God has put on my heart this morning. I want to talk about, and I think it's appropriate that the Gideons are here this morning, because I want to talk about the Word of God. I want to talk about this book right here. This is a good, good book. It's a wonderful book. In fact, I want to tell you just a, a little bit about what the Bible has to say about itself. Because it's enough to, to make a claim about somebody else or something else, but the Bible is self-sufficient in that no one else has to claim any type of authority or history or anything about it. The Bible, it's, it stands on its own. It doesn't need anything else to hold it up or to lift it up. The Bible stands on its own. This is what the Bible says about itself. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says that it is eternal. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says that the Word of God is alive and active. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says that the Word of God will accomplish its purpose. In John chapter 6, verse 63, it says that the Word of God is life. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 17, we hear that the Word of God is a weapon. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22, we hear that the Word of God brings healing to our bodies. In Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says that it is a blessing to those who meditate on it. In Psalm chapter 12, verse 6, it says it is a treasure. And I could go on and on and on and on about what the Bible claims about itself, but I think the most important thing that we should know about the Bible is this claim right here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I'm sorry, we're working on getting a projector. This one right here is, as uh, it's gone to projector heaven. Uh, so I'm sorry we don't have the scripture up there, but I'll try to let you know where we're reading. We're in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 through 17. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17 says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is the claim that Paul is making to Timothy. He's saying this book right here, these scriptures. He doesn't say the old scriptures either. He says all scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by God. That's what that word in the Greek means, inspired. That word means breathed out. This right here, I think we all should know this, and it's good just to have a little, a little bit of a reminder sometimes. This right here is not man's opinion about God. This book is not man's words about God. This book is God's words. Come on. 
And here's the thing, I think, and this is the reason why I said it's good to have this reminder, it's because I think a lot of times we get this idea that, that it's a good book and, you know, it, it can help me in situations and troubled times and things whenever I'm, I'm in a, a situation where I don't know how to make a decision or what to do, but if we really believe that this is the words of God, and if God is who he says he is in this word, then I think that we should take a whole different approach to opening this book, to reading this book, to memorizing this book. We've made it a challenge in our youth. to We're, we're memorizing as a youth group every week. We're memorizing a scripture just to get the Word of God in our hearts. Because if this is God's Word, and if He is who He says He is, and I believe this is God's Word, and I believe He is who He says He is, then we should be taking a different approach to the Word of God. And I'm thankful for organizations like the Gideons, who, who they say, hey, this is our purpose. This is what God has put us here for in this hour, is to take this to people who maybe have never seen it, who would never have otherwise be able to hold it, so that they can understand and grasp the heart of God. That's powerful, church. That's powerful. And we're thankful for the Gideons. Thank you for coming today and sharing. And I want to encourage all of us to, to give today so that God's work can, can continue to go. If you're taking notes, write this down. Talking about the Word of God. It, it does a lot of things, and we, we went through a couple of those. But I want to show you just a few things that the Word of God is, that it does, that will help us today. So, here's point number one. The Word reveals the Father's heart. It reveals the Father's heart. In John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, very familiar portion of Scripture, it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Now, this word, as we see it here in our English translations of the Bible, it's a capital W. It's the word. This word, as we know, is Jesus. Come on. He existed in the beginning with God. He was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Verse 3, God created everything through him, that is Jesus, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life. Someone look at your neighbor and say, life. To everything that was created. And His life brought light to everyone. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Come on. Now skip down to verse 17. First, or, I'm sorry, John 1, verse 17. says, For the law was given through Moses. That's what we read here in the Old Testament. First five books of the Bible. That's the law. The law was given through Moses. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through the Word, Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. I think a lot of us, we, we get this, 
misconception because if you open up your Bible to, to one of the very first pages right there, there's a big blank page and, and it says in, in almost every Bible, the Old Testament. Flip about two-thirds of the way through the Bible, you get to a portion of, you get to a page, a big blank page with just the words, the New Testament. And I think a lot of people have had this misconception that, you know, if you're reading the Old Testament, I, it's old. You know, it's, it's, it's old, done, gone away with. It doesn't really apply to my life anymore. It might have some good moral ideas or philosophy in there, but that's the Old Testament. Now, I like the New Testament, but I think that's, I think that's a, a bad way of thinking about this. Because the Bible from cover to cover is one story. It tells one story from Genesis all the way through Revelation. I, if I was to be the editor of the Bible, which I'm not, and it's a good thing I'm not, but if I was, I probably would have named it the First Testament and the Second Testament, right? Because the Old Testament is not just old and gone away with. Now, we know the Old Covenant. We don't have to walk in those steps and the rituals of the Old Covenant. We have been given a new covenant in Christ Jesus. Come on. But from cover to cover, this story is all about Jesus. From beginning to end, you might say, well, I've never, I never saw Jesus' name in the Old Testament. Well, there's a, an author that I, I really like, and he... He says it this way, in the Old Testament, the gospel is concealed. In the New Testament, the gospel is revealed. In the Old Testament, you're not going to see the name of Jesus. You might not hear about any of those miraculous things that he did as he walked this earth, but there's so much good. Oh, I, I don't have time, y'all. I don't have time. It's so good. It tells one story, and that story is that the kingdom of heaven has come in the man Jesus Christ, the Word of God. It's a good book. It's a good book. Let, let me, I, I got to share this one thing with you. So y'all know in the Old Testament, we read about the story, you know, the Tower of Babel, right? All of mankind, they, they come off of the ark and they're all in this one place and they all come together and say, hey, let's build a tower that will reach the heavens. Let's make a name for ourselves. And, and so they start to build this tower and the Bible tells us that God looks down on them and he says, hey, this isn't going to be good because nothing that they set their minds to, they, they'll be able to accomplish everything they set their minds to. So what did God do? He confused their language, right? And during this moment, 3,000 people die. He confuses the language, 3,000 people die. And God gives them the law right? Fast forward to the day of Pentecost. What happens? All of the nations that had been scattered, they've come together. And now they're all hearing one heavenly language being spoken. And Peter gets up and preaches a message. And guess how many people get saved? 3,000 people. Come on, that's good. That's good stuff right there. 
In the Tower of Babel, the fire came and fell and consumed 3,000 people. On the day of Pentecost, the fire came and was dancing upon the heads of the 120 believers. It's a good book from cover to cover, and it reveals to us the Father's heart. And during the Old Testament, they didn't understand what was happening. They didn't understand why God, why all of the laws, why all these prophetic things. They didn't understand. But now we have the opportunity in the day that we're living in to look back and see the, the glory of the Gospels re- concealed in the Old Testament and revealed in the New Testament. Because that's what the Word does, is it reveals the Father's heart. It reveals the Father's heart. See, here's the thing. A lot of us, we might not have the desire to open the Bible and read it, maybe because it doesn't make sense to some of us. Some of the things, has anybody else in here been like Leviticus? Like, my goodness, (laughs) like some some of the Ecclesiastes. Ain't nothing good under the sun, you know? Like, some of this is hard to read, right? It is, and I, I understand it. I get that. But this book, if we will take the time to look at these pages, to read these words, then the heart of the Father is going to come alive to us. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to reveal the heart of the Father. John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? (laughs) Don't you believe, this is verse 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Listen to what it says. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Jesus' purpose was to die for our sins, and in doing so, he reveals the heart of God to mankind. I love this. We don't have a God that's just hiding off somewhere, off in the distant cosmos, but we've got a God that says, hey, I want you to know who I am. I want you to live in relationship and fellowship with me. But most of us will never have that deep hunger and desire to truly get in this book because most of us, this is going to hurt a little bit, most of us come to this book whenever we're in trouble or whenever there's a decision that we've, we've, we've got to make and we're not quite sure what to do. Whenever the kids start acting up and, man, what did Jesus say about, about this? And, you know, am I supposed to sacrifice these kids or like what? <laughs> and we'll get in the Word of God and whenever we're going through a problem. But let me tell you, you can find a self-help book at Half Price Books. You can get on Amazon and find a book about finances and and ways to grow your money. You can go to a therapist and ask their opinion on how to raise your heathen children. You can get help from all sorts of places, but what makes this book different is that not only 
can we gain wisdom from its pages, but we can understand the heart of God for our situations. And that's so much better than just a book, just a how-to book. We don't just get the how-to, we get the why does this matter in the, in the grand scheme of eternity. Some will say it's a good book. Jesus came to reveal the heart of God. The Word of God reveals the heart of God. Here's the second thing the Word of God reveals. Not only does it reveal the heart of God, but the Word of God reveals your heart. <laughs> it reveals your heart, too. Psalm chapter 119, verse 105. You've probably got this cross-stitched on a pillow at home. Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The reason that I wanted to share this is I I know you already know this. I know sometimes it's just good to have a reminder and to to stir up that hunger inside of us to to really take in God's words. But I I want to, to take this very familiar portion of Scripture. We did a whole study on the book of Jonah and how familiar that story can be, so much, so familiar that we miss a lot of the thing, a lot of the contents in it. And I think that the same goes with this scripture right here in Psalm 119, verse 105. The word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That's beautiful. Like, thank you, God. I, I really like this portion of scripture. But do we really like it? Because whenever I read it, <laughs> I mean, of course we like it, but whenever I read it, it's kind of hard to read. It says that your word is a lamp to guide my feet. What does that mean? That means you are in darkness. That means things aren't going to be so apparent around you. That means there's going to be situations, there's going to be difficulties, there are going to be dangerous things in your path, and you need a light to shine on those things. Your word, this word is a lamp to guide our feet. Not a self-help book whenever trouble times come. <laughs> I think a lot of us, we, we'll get the light out. We, uh, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Have you ever been in the dark before without a source of light? It's really dark and you needed some light. Maybe it's in your home and the power went out and, you know, it's late at night and, and you know, you've, you've got the midnight munchies or whatever and, you know, you've got to make your way to the kitchen and, you know, you're just precariously kind of feeling your way around the house. Some of you know your house so well, you're just like, yeah, <laughs> like I've been here so long, I can find my way in the dark, right? And how many of us, we treat our spiritual lives like that too? I'm so used to kind of feeling my way around that I don't need a light. You want to know what I found out? As a father of two young children, you can't do that. Not in my house. Because my boys, they like to play with Legos. <laughs> All the parents said, I already know where you're going with this. You can put the Legos up. <laughs> We don't need them, right? (laughs) If you've ever been in your house and the lights were off 
And if you have children like mine, then I think what they do is they just grab some Legos and they're like... And what happens is when the lights go out and the power is out, and, and if you were the parent that was just too tired to care that night, then you've got to get up, you've got to do something, you're feeling your way, and you may be able to feel the walls around you, you may be able to feel the things that are familiar, but the moment you step on that Lego, a pain more excruciating than a thousand deaths enters your body. And you're just up there, these children, who who raised these kids? (laughs) Right? What do you need? This is what Psalms chapter 119 is saying. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet. It means you're going to be in a place that's dangerous. You're going to be in a place where there could be pain, death, all kinds of things all around you. You can't just be walking out through life with no care in the world. You need the Word of God. And you don't just need it after you've stepped into a trap, after you've stepped into some pain. You need it before. you got to start your life. You have to build your life on the Word of God. And so many of us, we'll, we'll just kind of get the word, we'll, we'll, we'll be walking along, oh, 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 what was that? You know? But if you just start with it, you just illuminate it and say, ha, ah, devil, you thought you had me right there. You thought you broke that relationship. You thought my kids were going to do that. But we built our lives on the word of God. And I can avoid the obstacles of the enemy. Again, though, the problem is with this verse, I say the problem, y'all know what I mean. The problem is with this verse, it says, your, your word is a lamp to guide my feet. But a lot of Christians will look at the word of God as a lamp to guide our seat. And at home, we'll get in the Word of God, and in certain areas and and moments in our life, we will use the Word of God to help us navigate these areas. And the problem is for a lot of people, and I'm not saying this is us, church, I'm I'm just saying a lot of us will take the Word, and we'll leave it on the nightstand, leave it on the coffee table, and we'll walk away and think, you know what, I've I've got certain rules, I've got certain things in my home, but I don't want anything to inconvenience my lifestyle or my choices. And there are some things in the Word of God that I just, oh, it's so hard. Like, why did you say that, God? (laughs) Like, why did you put that there? Like, some of these things are, are tough. But the word says that it's not just a light for a certain situation that we might want to call home or call comfortable, but his word is a light to guide our feet. It is a light for our path. So what that means is this word 
isn't just meant to be compartmentalized to one aspect of your heart, of your life. This word will illuminate your heart. It will illuminate the dark places. It might be like this light right here at your home, but you don't just need the word of God at home. You need the word of God everywhere you go in every area of your life so you're able to look around and see the dangers and see the things that that are are around you lurking. Listen, what what the Bible is telling us is this here. Uh, In Jeremiah, I believe it's Jeremiah. Let me try to find this real quick. This is really good. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says, The human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. (laughs) Read it. Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. For those places in my heart that I think I know where I'm going, I think I know where to step, I think I have it figured out, I think I've got the good idea, I think I've got the right direction, but did you know that there are places in your heart that are, that are hidden There's some places in your heart that are dark. There's some shadows that you don't even, I mean, I like how Jeremiah puts it. Who knows how bad it really is? The Word of God does. And if we will just allow the Word of God to be that light, not just for our seat, but that light for our feet that says, you know what, my heart has got a problem. I've got a problem on the inside. There are dark places on the inside that I need illuminated. Church, if we could just grasp that understanding. That's why I said this is kind of, I want to encourage you with this message, but it's kind of a message that you feel like you're getting kicked in your pants. You know, it's like, we don't want to hear how desperately wicked our hearts are. Like, (laughs) happy Sunday morning, (laughs) you're desperately wicked, (laughs) right? But the reality is there are places in each one of our hearts. And if we don't allow the Word of God to illuminate those areas too, if we've just compartmentalized the Word of God to be stationary and plugged into just one area of our lives, we're going to be missing out on all of the things that God wants to do on the inside of us too. Come on. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, that so easily entangles us. We've got to get rid of that. But how are you going to see what's going to trip you up if the lights are off in your heart? He said, there's sin that it's not even hard for it either. It it will trip you up. It ain't even that hard. That's why we need the Word of God to illuminate those places in our life, in our heart. He says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So the Word of God, it will reveal the Father's heart, but the Word of God will also reveal our hearts too. 
Here's the last point, and we'll ask the worship team to come on. The Holy Spirit reveals the Word. The Word of God reveals the Father's heart. The Word of God reveals what's in our heart. But it's the Holy Spirit that reveals the Word of God. What do I mean by that? John chapter 14, verse 26 says, But when the Father sends the Advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Listen, church, anybody can pick up the Bible and read it cover to cover and still be a skeptic. Anybody can pick up the Bible and read it cover to cover and still be an atheist, a non-believer. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal the Word of God, to make it come alive in our hearts. And that's what Jesus said whenever he was going away. He's, he's informing his disciples, I'm going to send back a helper. I'm going to send back a comforter. I'm going to send back the advocate who will not only teach you what's in this Word, but he will remind you of everything I've said. You need the Holy Spirit, church. I was reading in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and 2. In chapter 1, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he shares with them the promise that God will shortly send. And this promise is the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, it tells us that on the day of Pentecost, All the believers were gathered together. Someone say believers. They were believers. They had put their faith in Jesus. That's what the word faith means, is to believe or to trust. They had put their faith in Jesus. But I want you to notice, all of the believers were already gathered, and then the Holy Spirit fell. Then the Holy Spirit came. In fact, Peter goes a little bit later in the book of Acts, and he's talking to a group of believers, and he asks them, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit since you've believed? They said, no, we didn't even know there was such thing as the Holy Spirit. I was teaching our youth. We're going through a whole series all about the Holy Spirit. It's good, too. It's good. And I pointed this out to them. I said this, listen, you can be a believer in Jesus. You can put your faith in Jesus and still not have completely received the Holy Spirit into your heart. And that's why a lot of believers will say, well, if I can be a believer and if I can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit, then isn't he just an option? And this is what I told the students. I said, listen, this is something I never want you to forget. The Holy Spirit is not extra for the believer. The Holy Spirit is essential for the believer. Essential. Here is why. Because you will never understand this book without the Holy Spirit. You will never be able to walk in the power and the presence of God without the Holy Spirit. You can read this until you're blue in the face. And it never affects or change your life. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal the Word of God to your heart. Let me put it this way. If the Word is a lamp, 
then the Holy Spirit is the batteries. You still got the lamp. You still got the light. It's still functionable. Functionable? Grandmother, is that a word? My grandmother's here. Functionable? Is that a word? Am I saying it right? She was an English teacher. But if you don't have the power source, it'll never light up. Listen, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're three in one. They work together. Come on, church. I don't, I don't want to get into too deep this morning. But if we allow the Holy Spirit, then he'll take the word of God and he will cause it to be able to be illuminating, illuminated in our lives. You need the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says, because of that experience, Peter's talking to some believers. He's talking about the, the moment that he was on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus and what all he saw take place on, in that moment. And he says in verse 19, 2 Peter 1, verse 19, because of that experience on the mountain, we have even greater confidence in the message. Someone say the word. The word proclaimed by the prophets. Peter tells them this, you must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns, capital D, the day dawns, and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Verse 20 says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. That's why you'll never understand the Word of God unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wrote the book and you can't contain it all unless He reveals it to you, church. He's not extra. He's essential. He's essential. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and I'll be closing. This is my last scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, When I'm with mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, concealed, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. They don't understand it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. Wow. That is what Scripture means when they say, no eye has seen no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And verse 10 says, But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. You can read the Bible and you can get wisdom for a situation. You can get help for a troubled time. You can understand the right way to discipline a child or, or maybe even what kind of career move you need to make in your life. But if you want to understand the deep things of God, 
that, are writ- that is written in this book, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Word will reveal the heart of God, and the Word will reveal our hearts, but it's the Spirit that reveals the Word. Come on, church. If you would stand with me this morning. I want to invite you and challenge you this morning, this week, to pick up this book. It's good. And one thing I've been trying to communicate real thoroughly here lately is that every time you open this book, before you begin to read, you should say a prayer. And your prayer should should go something like this, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what you want to speak to me today. That's it. And start reading. And as you read, just make up your mind, I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because I want the wisdom that can only come from the Word of God and from the Spirit of God, and it's the Spirit that reveals His Word to us. So this week, as you get in the Word of God, let that be your prayer. And I want to challenge you. I don't know what your daily routine is like whenever it comes to the Word of God, but I want to challenge you. Whatever your daily routine is, up it. Do something different. I shared about this a little bit last week. If you've got a routine that you've just kind of been monotonously doing for so long, change it up change it up. This, this year, I'm not trying to brag or boast or, or anything, because like I said, you can read this book from cover to cover and not gain anything from it. But this year, I was like, you know what? I want, I want to change up my routine, the way that I do things. So I was like, I'm going to read the Bible in 30 days. And Emily and I, we challenged ourselves. We held ourselves accountable. We're going to read the, the Bible in 30 days. I'm sorry, not 30 days. It was uh, 60 days, two months. So by the end of February, we got done with that, and she said, let's, let's read it again. I was like, hey, maybe this time let's do 90 days, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so we've read through the Bible twice. Because if you even just change up your routine, you'll be able to see things that you never saw before. Just say, Holy Spirit, I want you to show me something new, something different, something that I've never noticed. Like, help these words become alive inside of me. And when we do that, he'll be faithful to his promise and he will reveal his word to us. So, Father, we thank you for this moment. Lord, we thank you for this word. God, that you have not decided to hide yourself from us. You could have, but you decided to reveal yourself to us. And Lord, over the course of 1,500 years and over 66 books on three different continents, you revealed your heart to man so that he could pin these words on paper and that every single word is inspired and breathed out by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would not look at the Bible as just some self-help book, God, but that we would be determined to understand your heart, that we would be determined to listen to your Holy Spirit, and that we would be changed from reading your word, that we would be challenged to live our lives in a different way because of what you have said. God, that these words would not just be words on a page, but that they would be life for our bodies and hope for our spirits in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. And as we begin to worship this morning, we want to give the invitation to you. Maybe there's a a part of your life where, where you thought, you know what? We can figure this out, and, and maybe you've, you've taken the wrong decision, or maybe you've stepped on the wrong thing, and maybe you're just like, 
you just want that moment where you just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I haven't given your word my attention. I'm sorry that I haven't applied my heart to your word. And maybe I just want you to know there's room up here at the altars for you just to come to the Lord and say, God, I'm willing to give you everything. I'm willing to not just build the Bible around my life, but to build my life around your word. So you're free to do that. You're welcome to do that here this morning, as well as if there's anything else, any other need in your heart, we've got a prayer team that would love to pray with you this morning. You're welcome at any time as we worship to come up to the altars, and we'll have someone there to pray with you. Love you so much, church. Let's worship the Lord this morning.